The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Lloyd, today our show is about finding happiness. And you know when you're happy, it's much harder to get into a fight. When you're having fun, when you're when you're um, having a lot of humor around you, when you're doing things you love to do, you, you really don't want to mix that with conflict. And as you're happier, you're less likely to engage in escalating conflict. And so it's a wonderful thing to talk about happiness and how to have happiness. And I have this wonderful book that I've been reading, and it's by Jonathan Robinson called Find Happiness Now, 50 Shortcuts for Bringing More Love, Balance, and Joy into Your Life. And Jack Canfield, who you know is co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, and we, he's a friend of ours, we know, we've met him several times, he wrote A Resource Everyone Should Own. And I've gotten a kick out of him. These are short chapters, really good ideas, with 50 ideas on how to be happier. And all of us want to be happy. Isn't that really what our life is about? Let me tell you a little bit about our wonderful guest. Jonathan Robinson is a best-selling author of nine books, and he is a licensed psychotherapist. He's reached millions of people throughout the world, and his work has been translated into 47 languages. So that means everybody wants to be happy, right? Jonathan has made numerous appearances on Oprah, CNN, and many other national TV shows. And he's had articles written about him, and he's appeared in many um, magazines and newspapers. Jonathan also is a professional speaker, and he lectures all over the world, teaching what he calls the cutting-edge inner tools for experiencing a really, truly deep and meaningful life. In his latest book, the one that I have right in front of me, Find Happiness Now, Jonathan collected his absolute favorite ideas and methods for helping people experience more joy, more love, and true balance in their life. And isn't that really what we, it uh, sounds good. It just makes every one of us feel really good to, to just even think about that. So we are going to be so thrilled to have Jonathan join us right now. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on our show. Well, it's an honor to be here. I look forward to it. So tell us how it is that you, you wrote this book. Well, I, I got lucky. I grew up in a highly dysfunctional family. <laughs> And I uh, had my first major depressive episode at age 14. Mm. And my uh, family has a history of depression. It runs in my family. 
In fact, it, it practically gallops in my family. And so I started out reading lots of self-help books to see if I could find stuff that would really help me. And I did. Uh, and this is kind of the greatest hits of the simplest ways <laughs> to feel better uh, that take under two minutes a day. And you know they say we teach best what we need to learn, right? Yeah. And, and I know I can really relate to that myself. So, you know, I teach negotiation and conflict resolution and all those things. And I know in, in my family of origin there was a lot of fighting. My parents worked together and lived together, so there was a lot of fighting. So I didn't want to fight. So, uh, so I'm, a, I'm a dolphin attorney, not a shark attorney. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. So, you know, I've read lots of books on happiness and... Um, I, I've had other authors on. So what, what really makes your book on happiness unique? I think what makes it unique is that I was always looking for methods that could generally be done in under two minutes a day, and, and the best ones, I think, can take under 10 seconds a day, mm-hmm. that would actually have scientific backing to show that they really do help make people happier. So it's a combination of, of looking for what the science says and looking for the absolute easiest, most effective methods and trying to put them all in one book. You know, so it's not very big on theory. It's more big on very practical suggestions, whether it's losing weight or feeling better about yourself or how to connect better in a relationship or how to stop fighting. Uh, very simple methods and since I'm kind of a lazy person, the, each chapter is generally pretty short, like two or three pages, because that's what I kind of like in a book. Yeah, you can take little bites of it, or you don't have to, like you talk about in your book, you don't have to read it sequentially. You can just read what, you know, kind of move around. And I, I noticed, um, and I really like the fact that it's very practical and application level. And uh, Several of the things that you talk about, I, I've used myself, and I have my clients use, and I, I like that one-breath technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when you know, things get really kind of like you feel like you're going to blow up, it's really always helpful to take a, a breath. And, and um, let's talk about some of the other examples of what you can do in, in just a couple minutes. Sure. Uh, I mean, one thing that people can do is just, get out their calendar and schedule something that they would really enjoy this week, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be a, a walk with a dear friend or a bike ride or a movie. You know, we tend to do what we schedule, and everybody's so busy nowadays that sometimes the things that we most value don't make it into our calendar. That's a simple thing. Exactly. And, and nowadays, everybody has electronic calendars, so you can put a reminder like, Get up and go pet your dog. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> or just get up and, and go for a walk in right. between, you know, or go go exercise and, and do something. So, I, I, yeah, that's, I love that. So um, have you always, well, you haven't always been a happy guy, and, and I know that a lot of people want to be happy. So what's a, a, a real misconception about happiness? Well, in the American cult or culture that we live in, they teach you to find happiness mostly through money and through getting everything in your life to be exactly the way you want. And that's uh, very unfortunate because that method doesn't work very well. In fact, rich people aren't happier than middle-class people. People who are more beautiful or thinner aren't happier than the rest of us. So happiness is really something... likened to a skill that you can learn to let go of, pos- uh, let go of negative emotions more quickly 
and to tune into positive emotions more easily. And if you practice those methods, uh, the research shows that you can boost your happiness quite a lot. Yeah, people forget that they can choose their thoughts, don't they? You know, I think people think that they are ruled by their thoughts, but in, but in, in reality, you can change your thoughts on your own. You can say, you know, I don't want to think like that. I don't, I don't want to start talking about my ex-spouse, or I don't, I'm not going to allow myself to do that. I'm going to choose another thought. I'm going to choose a happy thought. I'm going to choose something about what, what I want to do today. And I noticed that you had making a list of all the things you love to do and all the things you don't love to do or you hate to do. And to try and put time in, like you said, of those things you really like to do. But I think the biggest thing is people get ruled by their thoughts, don't they? Yeah, and by their focus. Our minds are like, uh, you know, te- uh, Velcro for negativity. Right. So sometimes just a simple question like, what am I grateful for? Or what could be good about this? Or what might I learn from this relationship? They focus you in a different direction that can be more useful for resolving conflict, more useful for feeling good. And in fact... When you do feel good, you tend to be able to resolve conflict better and to avoid it in the first place. Exactly. You know, when you were talking about, you know, looking at something differently, I was just in a class last night, and it's it's all about joy and happiness and similar stuff, so it was really apropos that, that we're talking about this today. But um, we had some breakout sessions and role-playing, and one of the guys that I was speaking with told me that the first, you know, 30 years of his life, he was really, really negative. And then he decided, well, wait a minute, this isn't working for me. <laughs> and he he chose to, to think positive, you know, and he chose to look at the bad things that happened to him in his life. And see that they were really blessings in disguise because he wouldn't be the person he is today had he not gone through some of those difficult times. So, you know, sometimes when you look back on things that happen, you go, oh, that shouldn't have happened. Or I should have gotten into that school or I should have, you know, shouldn't have broken up with that person or whatever. And then you look later and you say, wow, had I not done that, I wouldn't be in this position today. Yeah, and you can, a lot of times people don't get that feeling that this is a blessing in disguise until much later. That's why I sometimes encourage people to ask the question, well, what could potentially be good about this? Yeah. And even that question in the moment will make you less sure that this is a bad thing. So right. little techniques that sometimes can be done in 10 seconds can really make a huge difference, especially if they become habits or especially if they really work for you and then you keep them going. Yes. So, you know, in our country, we have so many people on antidepressants. And why do you think that is? Well, it's a $20 billion a year industry. You can make a lot of money by selling antidepressants, even though studies show that they don't really work above the placebo effect for most people. But they do have a big advertising budget, and and uh, not a lot of people are making billions teaching happiness methods, so there's, <laughs> there's not as much of an advertising budget for it. Right, right. And uh, But there's a lot of side effects to those things, too. So you know, Yeah, yeah. there are a lot of side effects, uh, one of them being that they kind of tend to ruin your sex life, yeah. and uh, they're not particularly good for you either. And it's unfortunate that most people want to 
be cured by a pill rather than learn what they can do to really take control of their own emotions. It's kind of sad that that's the case, but um, I'm hopeful that over time that people are learning that it really is valuable to learn the best ways to tune into joy and let go of negative emotions. Right. Because a lot of people, even when they take antidepressants, they really don't like the feeling that they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, they might like that they're feeling happier, but all of the side effects are so miserable. They're tired or, like you said, it ruins their sex life or there's they get headaches or whatever it is. So, you know, whenever you can do something that you can uh, boost your endorphins and, and not have to take that, it's, it's so much better. Yeah, and some things are, it, it's, it's really fun when you learn to take control that way. And simple things can do it. You know, one simple method that boosts your happiness quite a bit is an act of kindness for a stranger or friend. Yeah. You benefit, they benefit, your endorphins benefit. Uh, the world has a little bit more kindness in it. Or, you know, I talked about asking good questions. One of my favorite techniques I learned from a Indian guru uh, who had a reputation for having a mantra or phrase that helped people feel overwhelming gratitude. Well, I wanted to feel gratitude, so I went all the way to India to talk to this guy. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it's 20,000 miles to India, but, I, you know, I really wanted to know what his method was. So I get there, I'm jet-lagged and worn out, and I finally get in line to talk to him and tell him I want to know his mantra or phrase for, for feeling gratitude. Well, he says uh, in his Indian accent, yes, my mantra is the most... Powerful mantra on earth. <laughs> and then he leans in to whisper it in my ear. I'm, I'm very excited. He says, whenever possible, repeat the following words. The mantra I give you are the words, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said, that's it? <laughs> I had to come all the way here for that? <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, that's it is what you have been using. That makes you feel like you never have enough. My mantra is, thank you, not that's it. That's it will take you nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was kind of pissed off, but I figured I would use what he said. I traveled so far, and he said, you really have to say it from your heart. Yes. Many times a day. So, you know, I said, somebody gave me a cup of tea. I said, thank you. And then I took a taxi to my hotel room, and there was air conditioning in the taxi. So I said, thank you for the air conditioning. And then got to my hotel room, and, you know, I had Internet connection. Thank you, <laughs> that's not always the case in India. And then uh, I ordered the lunch, and I had money to pay for it. Thank you for the money. Thank you for the lunch. Thank you for the toilet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and within an hour, I had tears of gratitude coming down my face because I realized we live better than billionaires oh, yeah. than 20 years ago. We have yeah. all this free entertainment and healthcare and all this great stuff at our fingertips. But if you don't have a simple way to feel that in your heart, it can just go by invisibly. Yes, yeah. So, you know, when people tap into gratitude or tap into joy or tap into peace, all their life goes better. Their relationships go better. You know, happy people have half the rate of divorce of unhappy people, and they live nine years longer. Yeah. So it's really an important skill, and unfortunately, most people just know one way to get there, yeah. which is, you know, make a lot of money and try and control everything. Right, right. You know, when you're talking about this attitude of gratitude, um, it's it's such a beautiful thing. You know, we forget, like, you you know, you'll be walking outside to walk your dog or something, and you're on the cell phone, and you're not thinking. And so, you know, 
I put the cell phone down and I walk around. I go, gosh, thank you for this beautiful weather living in Southern California. Thank you for the sky. Thank you for the trees. And, and when you do that, you start to really notice how beautiful it is around you. You know, or something in your house. People will come in your house and say, oh, I really like that. That's a beautiful painting or whatever. And you you walk by it a million times. You don't even look at it anymore. Yeah. And so I think what you're talking about is having that attitude of gratitude is looking for things. And, and, and my husband and I are into that also. And so we've been trying to remember each night in case, uh, unless I fall asleep first, um, is each of us say three things that we're grateful for in the day. You know, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that the dog didn't eat my shoe. We have a puppy, right? So right. <laughs> I'm I'm grateful that we had this great dinner. I'm grateful that you did the dishes instead of me, you know. <laughs> but you know what? It's kind of a fun thing to do and it's a great thing to do before you go to sleep because you go kind of in a happy mood. Absolutely. And you'll have more restful sleep. Exactly. So um we talked about money. Some people, that's their their ultimate goal is more money. They they feel they don't have enough. So, um, what do you think about that? Money money can buy you things, and does that really make us happier? I mean, there are people who uh, can can go on all these um, cruises and all these things to do fun things. Is that making them happy? Well, the studies show that money does make people happier when they're poor. But once you're middle class or make about $70,000 a year household income, more money does not make you happier. Mm. So at that point, then you have to really go to learning these inner methods where uh, you can tap into greater joy and let go of negative emotions more quickly. And, you know, we're taught that success leads to happiness in this culture, but really it's the other way around, that happiness leads to success. Mm. And happy people make almost a million more dollars over their life than unhappy people, and they live nine years longer, and they raise happier kids. So it's one of those skills where it's kind of fundamental. Uh, it makes relationships better, it makes your health better, and it's a shame that we've been kind of brainwashed to think that happiness is the result of success, but really happiness is more of what happens, uh, uh, success is more of a result of happiness, really. Yes. You know, I remember in my first marriage, um, I, I put my husband through medical school, and we were very poor. And all, all of our friends were very poor at the same time. We were all living in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, and we had no money to go out for dinner. Um, so we used to make potluck dinners with all of these medical students. We, he was in the special program. There were like 40 of them, and so they all had their girlfriends or spouses or boyfriends, whatever it was. And we used to have the greatest time. We'd make potluck dinners, and we just we couldn't go anywhere except hiking, and maybe you know. So there was nothing that we actually could pay to do. Even going to a movie was often beyond our means. So, mm-hmm. and I remember being so happy. And then when he started making a fortune, then we didn't have so much fun anymore, and um, we ended up getting a divorce. So I think what you're saying is really true. That you know, money doesn't make you happy. It's what you do with your thoughts and your thinking. And if you forget about the, the, the real joys in life, you know, connection, fun, friends, love, all that stuff that uh, you kind of can destroy your happiness. Yeah, yeah. So what is the difference between joy and happiness? 
Well, you know, happiness is just a word, and it points you in the direction of you being really uh, pleased and excited about your life. So some people might use the word joy. Some might use the word contentment or love. You know, these are all positive feelings. I don't really make that distinction. I let people define for themselves what they really makes their life feel like they're, they're having it just the way they want it. It's going great. Uh, for me, I like to feel uh, adventurous contentment. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> adventurous contentment. I was thinking, like, you know, um, sometimes you're not happy. If a sad thing happens, you lose a friend or you break up with a relationship or, mm-hmm. or whatever, but you could still have some joy in your life. You know what I mean? And so you may be unhappy. I mean, there are times that you're going to have setbacks that you may not feel that happy, but you could still have some joy in your heart knowing that, you know, you have other things, even though you may not have that friend anymore or you may have broken up from a relationship, that you can find joy even though you're not happy. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, and happy people tend to be more resilient. They bounce back from difficulties more quickly. It's not that they don't have difficulties, that they don't get depressed for days or weeks and they don't feel angry for a long time, just like little kids, you know. Uh, I know a lot of really, really happy people, but most of them are under the age of six. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're resilient. They're, yes. Yeah. You know, I know that you had an interview with the Dalai Lama, and I've, I've read his books, and oh my goodness, you know, that, uh, that I would love to be like the Dalai Lama. So what did you learn from your interview with him? Well, the guy certainly loves to laugh. Yeah. And uh, that really helps and puts people at ease. But I also noticed that he mentioned so many times that kindness was his religion, mm. that he gets great joy from doing little acts of kindness. And this is something everybody can do. And you know, little acts of kindness really show up now because there's not that much kindness in the world. So if you just you know give your friend a shoulder massage and and buy them a $2 gift, it, it shows up. So I like to do little acts of kindness like that, and he actually brought me, you know, one person doing an interview with him, a little gift, and of course that deeply touched me. Yes, yes. We are speaking with Jonathan Robinson, who is the author of Find Happiness Now, 50 Shortcuts for Bringing More Love, Balance, and Joy into Your Life. And it's really a fun book, too, because I can reach each chapter in just a few minutes and get some kernels of wisdom and some joy in it. So it's great. I personally do most of my reading on the toilet, so I try <laughs> to make it for, for other people. To toilet sitting, <laughs> right, 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 right. Or in the bathtub or, that's you know, true. sitting on the backyard. Yeah, I, I know. I'm with you. That's Sometimes that's that's your library, right? Right. <laughs> what do you think um, is, the, is the link between happiness and spirituality? Do you think that is a link? I know for me it seems to be a link. I think for most people it is. It's very hard to jump from depression to uh, great ecstasy and inner peace and love. It's easier to feel really good and then to feel uh, more available to be of service to others. That, that's a, a, a smaller jump. Mm-hmm. And so I think in my spirituality, and I've written many books on that subject, uh, I think happiness is pretty much the prerequisite for spirituality for most people, mm-hmm. that 
if you want to find peace within and be a loving person, you, you have to first feel good inside, and then you have leftovers to give to the people around you. Yes. And when things don't go my way, the older I get, the more I say to myself, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and for some reason, that really kind of calms me. It is what it is. Now, what are you going to do about it? You know, you can't change what, what's beyond your control. It's almost like that serenity prayer, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. God grant me the serenity to accept what I cannot change, change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that's, you know, as I get older and, and some will say, oh, well, look what this happened, or you didn't get this. I'll say, you know what, it, I have to accept it is what it is. But that's okay. It wasn't meant to be. I'm going to do something better, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it, 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 it kind of lifts me up. It's that self-talk that, you know, trying to, trying to make yourself happier or at least accept what is. Uh, you know, I, I saw this saying that I love by the Buddha, and it says, um, all suffering comes from not accepting what is. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, or, you know, being able to let go of your craving of what is not. Right, right, right. <laughs> yep. So what what about the link between uh, meditation and happiness? Is there a link? Yeah, uh, definitely. Meditators do report being happier than non-meditators. So I, I have a lot of, I have a few meditation methods in the book, but most of them can be done in under two minutes because that way you can do them in the middle of your life. You don't have to separate yourself so much. And you get back to a place of peace, of joy, and then you notice that the events in your life go better. So I encourage everybody to learn how to quiet their mind, because once you do that, you're, you're pretty close to happiness. Exactly. How about sharing with us to, um, five top ways that people can pursue a happier life? Okay. Um, well, I've mentioned acts of kindness and, and scheduling things that you enjoy. Okay, those are two things. Uh, asking good questions, like what could I feel grateful for, or what could be good about this, mm-hmm. or who loves me and who do I love. You know, I sometimes do what I call uh, a nickname meditation. I, I have a picture of my dog on my smartphone, and I think of all the funny nicknames I have for her. Uh, this will be embarrassing, but one of them is Wigglebutt. <laughs> she's a very happy girl, and she's always wagging her tail. Right. So, you know, I look at this picture of her, and I, I call her by my pet names, and I can really feel my heart very quickly when I do that and tap into that feeling and just really surrender to it, let go to the feeling of love. That's a very powerful way to bring more joy into your life. You know, um, right. And another way that really makes me happy is I play songs that I really love. Mm. You know, and sing along. It's hard to feel bad when you're singing along to I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. You know, it's it's just, even if you're trying to be depressed, it's really tough to get there. Right, right. And, you know, you talk about your dog, and, um, you know, I'm I'm getting such joy from, we had lost our our wonderful dog last year, and we have this dog that just turned a year old Mm -hmm. um, this week, and... um, he brings me a lot of joy. He makes me laugh. You know, even if I'm exhausted or I've had a hard day and then I just see him and he just, I get, you know, he just really, I think he brings me a lot of joy and happiness. What do you think about having pets? Well, studies show that pets do make people happier 
And uh, I would recommend Golden Retrievers because they're very happy dogs. That's what I've got. <laughs> I've got this big 75 but, Golden Retriever. <laughs> right. Uh, being around happy people makes you happier. So I try to find friends who are enjoying life, and happiness is contagious, and so is depression. So one of the things that you can do is just try to find people who are having a good time, and you'll probably have a good time just being around them. Exactly. Like they say, birds of a feather flock together. And yeah, I, I, uh, the older I get, the more I just don't want to be around negative people. But unfortunately, that's what I do for a living is I'm around people who are in d- intense conflict. So it's my job to kind of be the light of, uh, of happiness and joy and right. show them ways to get out of it. But um, why don't you just give your website and it's time to go. Okay. Well, my website is findinghappiness.com. And uh, I have a lot of free stuff on the website, free audio downloads and free videos and free articles with specific techniques that really help. And people can buy the book, 12 bucks from Amazon, from the website if they want. Yep. And, uh, and make it a priority in your life. That's, that's a good start. Yes. So thank you, Jonathan Robinson, for Find Happiness Now, 50 Shortcuts for Bringing More Love, Balance and joy into your life. Thank you, and we'll have you back again. And stay happy, okay? Okay, thanks, Mary. Okay, bye-bye. Goodbye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. Thank you.